You are about to hear the most interesting, informative, thought-provoking, opinion-leading, and funny show in America, on air and on the World Wide Web. This is The Rob Carson Show. Hour number two of The Rob Carson Show. This hour, we're going to be joined by a, uh, a friend of the show, Carl Higby. Uh, he's a guy who uh, is on Newsmax, and I've, I've known him for a couple of years now. He's one of the brave individuals who signed up for military service after 9-11, despite his incredibly young age. He was in high school, and he has uh, has suffered. Uh, he never complains about the injuries that he sustained during combat. You know, there's a young guy on Fox News. He's, he lost both his legs. I've heard people sit and watch Fox News when he's sitting there and his legs are uncovered, and they go, he really should cover his legs. I'm like, no, he shouldn't. You know why he lost those legs? He lost those legs because he signed up for military service after 9-11 and he wanted to defend the country. Really? But, you know, the country has changed dramatically in the last 22 years. The left looked at 9-11, looked at 9-11 as a threat. Not, not the actual attack, because they wanted sympathy for the people who committed the attack. <clears throat> they wanted us to understand why they hated us so much. They did. They, uh, that's, and, and they, the threat they perceived was us coming together for the country. That was the threat. It really was. And if you look at how far the country has descended since 9-11, you thought it was never possible. And that was a, a sustained assault that's been going on since the day after. And really, really, really put the pedal to the metal when Barack Obama became the president. And then when Barack Obama became the president again three years ago. So there is, uh, there is that. But, but great things are happening. Carl Higby is going to share his story at the bottom of the hour. And I think it's really, really important not only to remember those who lost their lives on 9-11, but those who lost their lives and came back with the same, you know, with profound injuries. They had the same uh, motivation as the firefighters who went into those buildings. It just didn't happen on that day. So I don't ever want to forget those who signed up to defend our country. And for those of you who lost a loved one on a field of battle post 9-11, I just want you to know that our prayers are there with you as much as anyone who was lost on 9-11. You, your uh, loved ones were unbelievably brave, particularly the last 13 of them who died when Joe Biden pulled our military forces out of Afghanistan and left $85 billion worth of military hardware for the enemies we were there to defeat. So uh, anyway, uh, Carl's at the bottom of the hour. Oh, this is some, uh, I mean, not a big surprise, but Kamala Harris. 60% of Americans disapprove of the performance Vice President Kamala Harris has put forth, while just 18% says uh, she makes them think better of the Biden administration. According to a CBS YouGov poll, and, and don't think it's uh, it's uh, unintentional that Kamala Harris is sent to uh, New York City on 9/11, and Joe Biden is blowing it off. Don't don't think that that's unintentional. Don't think that's uh, somehow they feel like they're really making up for it. This is a slight, okay? This is a slight slap in the face. That's what this is really is. A uh, survey published Sunday shows 41% of Americans approve of Harris's performance as a vice president. 59% disapprove of, to varying degrees, 31% of independents only are happy with her showing. 69% of independents said that uh, they are unhappy with her. So there you go. Joe Biden, of course, uh, went overseas. He went to Vietnam. And um, I'm going to play a couple of sound bites in case you haven't heard this. And I take no joy in this because I think it's sad and pathetic that uh, a lot of people put this man in power. But it is becoming painfully obvious that Joe Biden is not going to be the president much longer. 
Um, I've been saying it for three years. I've been saying there's no way. You know, if, if he campaigned out of his basement four years ago, <laughs> I mean, you, you see how much he's slipped since then? And it's honestly, why do I think Joe Biden is not going to be the candidate? I've said from the very beginning, because I'm not stupid. I just, you know, this, this is, I, mean, I rage against gaslighting because I'm not stupid. I don't fall for it. I didn't put the mask on because I thought the, the virus would stop the, 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 or the, the mask would stop the virus. You know why I knew that? Because I'm not stupid. All right. But here is, uh, here is Joe Biden uh, in Vietnam. Um, just listen to him. And, he, and he, he, well, he called on some select reporters, as obvious as, as always, uh, just a select group of reporters. But I want you to listen to the man who's in charge of our country. And, and I want Democrats embrace this, okay? Because you own this. You own putting this man in office, however you did it. You owe. Uh, you own it. It's yours. He's yours. This is on you. But not anymore. All of a sudden, they all realize it. It's a problem. And there's nothing like seeing the light for, and uh, let's see, I'm just following my orders here. Uh, staff, is there anybody haven't spoken to? Uh, no, I'm calling on you. I'm calling on you. I tell you, I have five questions. Anita from VOA. Yeah, we're only going to go to uh, Voice of America and other approved sources to ask questions that I know I can respond to because my brain is gone. Listen to this. And look, nobody likes having celebrated international meetings if you don't know what you want at the meeting, if you don't have a game plan. He may have a game plan. He just hasn't shared it with me. But I tell you what, I don't know about you, but I'm going to go to bed. There you go. There's the president of the United States. There's the guy that uh, uh, all of the Democrats said was going to bring the country together. Joe Scarborough says he's sharp as a tack. <laughs> he's sharp as a tack. Old, old Joe Scarborough old and, and Yoko Brzezinski, his, uh, his partner there, they say his brain is perfect. But again, let him own it, guys. Let him own it because they're about to die on their swords. They, you know, and figuratively, of course. Uh, oh, and this is the most bizarre night when Corinne Jean-Pierre cut off the microphone. Listen, this is the leader of the most powerful military in the world. This is the guy. I want you to listen to this and wonder what our enemies say when this happens. We talked about we talked about at the conference overall. We talked about stability. We talked about making sure that the third world, the uh, excuse me, third world. The, uh, the, the, uh, the Southern Hemisphere had access to change. It had access. We, it wasn't confrontational at all. You came with me. Thank, thank you, everybody. This ends thank, the count press thank conference. You. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Now let's play some smooth jazz now. Yeah, there you go. You're on hold now, just like Joe Biden's brain. Wow, can you? I mean, that's, <laughs> that's just, you know. Every day I come in here and I, and I wonder, we, do I wage the battle today or do I sit back and just watch them d- destroy themselves? And now I'm kind of leaning towards the sit back and watch them destroy themselves, <laughs> you know, honestly. Remember I had that kind of come to Jesus moment a while back and I, and I realized when I was responding to Keith Olbermann on Twitter that maybe uh, that was pointless, <laughs> you know, honestly. It really did. I, I, I decided to pull away from the, uh, the engaging these idiots because uh, there's no sense in it. There's no reward to it. There's so profoundly wrong on everything eventually their entire house of cards will collapse i mean we have to fight we have to fight 
in a number of different ways. One of the uh, one of the ways that I fight back is I deride them. I will do my level best to humiliate them and embarrass them, although they don't really have shame. That's why we do stuff like this. The third world. The, uh, the, the, uh, the Joe Biden is a rambling man. This is Jim Gossett, by the way. Try to form a sentence and doing the best he can. Joe Biden, he says nothing that you could understand. Because he was born a rambling man. We all know Joe suffers from dementia. No, he doesn't. He's sharp as a tack. It is clear for all the world to see. Just ask Joe Scarborough. That's why in Vietnam they cut him off. <laughs> Let off the stage by KJP. Joe Biden, he's a rambling man. <laughs> With a crooked son that ought to be in the can. Hell yeah, he should. Put him back in the There you go. The president of the United States had to be interrupted by a stagehand and dragged off stage. See, this is why I, I am optimistic about the future of the country, because it's so obvious the absurdity of those in power right now. And, and listen, they are a threat. <laughs> Don't get me wrong. We, we are in a battle here, all right? And we were well in the middle of a civil war in this country, a, a Marxist takeover of our country, when we all woke up. When we all woke up, and, and now we've seen through four indictments of the former president that it's, that it's obvious and by the way, also, uh, I remember um, the 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 uh, the uh, sending Donald Trump to the one of the worst prisons in America, jails in America, in in Georgia. Right, getting a uh, a mugshot, and that brought the hood and the trailer park together for the first time ever. Like I said, we're in the middle of of a great awakening. We are in the middle of what I hope will be a new American revolution. Uh, and we would, uh, I, I look at. Um, at uh, uh, the Berlin Wall as the template. Uh, peaceful, we're standing on the wall. Uh, the deep state is on the East German side. America is on the other side. We're standing on the wall. And uh, the powers that be want it to be t the Tiananmen Square version of that. Same modus operandi, freedom and whatnot, except for the Chinese uh, just crushed all the people and murdered them when they protested. Uh, the Berlin Wall, they survived. And, uh, and communism fell. This is uh, Greg Kelly, a little uh, a little montage, and this was like on Friday, of people who uh, know that Joe Biden is not long for this presidency. And new CNN polling this morning, and the numbers are rough for President Biden. They could spell trouble for Democrats and the president's hopes for re-election in 2024. He's not Still early, be a but candidate. Biden's approval rating has sunk to 39 yeah, percent. These are all very troubling for the White House. This new CNN poll shows no clear winner between President Biden and nearly all of the leading Republican presidential candidates in these theoretical matchups. 58% of Americans say that Joe Biden's policies have worsened economic conditions. That's a majority there. This number is troubling. Uh, a third of Democrats want Joe Biden as the nominee. Nearly two thirds of his own fellow partisans would like a different candidate. And what is the concern here? We asked an open-ended question. What is your biggest concern about Biden as a presidential candidate? 49% of Democrats, Democrats and Democrat-leaning independents say age. Those numbers, the American people noticing, 
Joe will be removed by his boss. I think that's Barack Obama. He's going to leave just the way he got the job. How did he get the job? You think it was democracy? (laughs) Hmm? The guy who came in last place in Iowa, fourth place, I believe, in New Hampshire, and suddenly they decide he's the nominee. Well, whoever made that happen is recruiting candidates right now. Yeah, but you know what? Uh, Eugene Robinson, who, by the way, will be, uh, I mean, he's already ridiculed and he's a buffoon, but he will be relegated to the dustbin of history uh, because he says that all that Joe Biden needs to do is finally take on Trump. Donald Trump. Absolutely. Uh, take the emergency, uh, and, and we need to. Um, but I think there are ways without doing that yeah. to frontally uh, and, and loudly attack Donald Trump. Now, let's see. That's been going on for about seven and a half years. How's that working uh, there? Like Eugene? To to him. And yes, that has to be done. And yes, it needs to start now. It, it, it should have started months ago. Uh, but um, uh, but yeah, you got to go after him. That's Baghdad Bob. That's Baghdad Bob. Now, for those uh, maybe you Gen Zers don't know who Baghdad Bob was, uh, Baghdad Bob was one of the last people <clears throat> who was uh, saying that uh, Saddam Hussein was still in power as we marched into Iraq and, and deposed him, which, you know, who the hell knows why. Uh, you know, we were all made to believe that, oh, yeah, getting Saddam Hussein would end the war on terror. Yeah, whatever. No, it really wasn't. It was bull crap. You got lied to. You got played. I, I used to believe in George Bush, too, you know, but whatever. Anyway, uh, so uh, so uh, th- that was what Baghdad Bobby standing there. And as you could literally, you could, like, see the tanks, American troops behind him, and he was denying tonight. That's Eugene Robinson. And then, of course, here's, here's uh, Joe Scarborough on Friday. Uh, what really needs to do is you need to go after Donald Trump because, you know, he's a rapist. They need, to, they need to just call Donald Trump a rapist. So stupid. The judge, the judge said Donald Trump was a rapist. Correct. The judge Correct. said Donald Trump Recon. raped her. The judge said that, 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 that by any definition used by the U.S. Army, used by uh, the, the, the American Medical Association, used by any other organization, Donald Trump was a rapist no no because you see there was there were no evidence there was no evidence there was no police report there were no uh witnesses uh donald trump was a very public figure he would have never done something like this and gotten away with it in a major department store in a dressing room she didn't remember the day it happened oh and she also hit on uh on uh what's his name uh on uh, on cnn the uh the i'm trying to like on his name uh so yeah uh of course a judge a liberal judge came up with all that but there was no evidence. And you know what? Keep keep touting it, guys, because you honestly, the Biden ship is is going down. Uh, let's take a break. 800-922-6680. Michelle wants to remember 9-11. That's coming up. Also, Chuck Todd leaves Meet the Press. That's coming up with the Rob Carson Show. Stick around, guys. It's time to make common sense. Common again. It's the Rob Carson Show. The, 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 uh, the, the Southern Hemisphere had access to change it, had access. We, it wasn't confrontational at all. You came up with thank, thank you, everybody. This ends the count press thank conference. You. Thanks, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Wow. And you're on hold, as is Joe Biden's brain. Call back or we'll call you. Honestly, yeah, there's Corinne Jean-Pierre uh, yeah, doing the figurative hook around the neck of the performer on the stage and yanking Joe Biden off the stage in Vietnam because he was embarrassing himself in the world. 
Unbelievable. Unbelievable. And that's why I'm hopeful about the future of America, because everybody gets it. Everybody understands that the man in the White House is crooked, that the man in the White House is everything we said he was that was uh, censored by the deep state. Yeah. All of our uh, misinformation and disinformation is proving to be true. And we have found out that the federal government literally was uh, was making your speech illegal, among other things. Oh, and then there was a governor in uh, New Mexico who attempted to make the Second Amendment illegal. Uh, that didn't work out very well. Hopefully that will remove her from office. I've got details on that coming up either later in the show or tomorrow. It's pretty big stuff. Michelle in Baltimore has been holding. She wants to talk about 9-11 and any of your calls. If you want to talk about 9-11 any time during the show today you call hi michelle what's up okay hi uh first of all a thank you and then two points the thank you is for your sensitive very sensitive presentation about 9-11 i found that i had tears in my eyes which is why i had to call you so that was that was one to say thank you and the other one was i thought about it that the democrats have worked really hard to tear all us apart whether we're indians or white people, or black people, they've tried their best to tear us apart. And you know what? What 9-11 did for us, and it changed us from red, white, and black to red, white, and blue. And that's what we want to work on. And the reason Michelle, is they think that, yeah. look, what, look what they've done, and that's why I said, <clears throat> when George Bush stood on the debris after 9-11, the, the Democrats uh, and the deep state were more afraid of him than al-Qaeda. And the Taliban. Honestly, they were. They saw this buffoon who they regarded as a, I mean, a, a fool. And suddenly he spoke clearly through a megaphone and America rallied around him. And then not soon thereafter, we began doing things like bringing massive flags out onto uh, fields uh, before football games. And then the left, not too long ago, decided to make a hero out of a doofus who's a mediocre quarterback who uh, kneeled during the national anthem, even though he grew up spoiled and entitled by an adopted white family. Uh, it is remarkable what they've done. They threw uh, the 2020 at us, the summer of 2020. They've thrown seven years of impeachments and, uh, and negative news about Donald Trump at us. And you know what, Michelle? They made us stronger, haven't they? Because I feel yes, strong. Point. I feel strong. I Go ahead. Constructive. I want, Real I cool. Something constructive that I want to come out of this. Real and cool. that is, you may recall in the aftermath of uh, that attack, they started the Patriots Act. Well, like other things that the Democrats have done, they've taken that Patriot Act and they turned it against Americans. Like, uh, who was at the demonstration on January 6th, even though they might not have been there or did nothing wrong? One of the things that Republicans and Democrats and uh, the House of Representatives and Congress have to no, are you saying, wait a minute, Michelle. The end, Mich the end of the Patriot Act. Michelle, are you saying, wait a minute, wait a minute, Michelle, are you saying that the federal government would uh, use a state of emergency to impose restrictions on speech and individual liberty? Are you saying that's possible? Are you saying they did that after 9-11? And, and didn't they kind of, yeah, I guess they, they kind of take... If yeah, I agree they, with that, will, will I have somebody coming to my door any moment after we finish the conversation? Well, uh, that's not going to happen. Of January 6th? That's not going to happen, Michelle. Americans are fighting back. We have many tribulations to get through before enlightenment, but we are waking up. We are. We are. Yeah, they used an emergency to usher in new rules for us, the Patriot Act, and that was just the beginning. Carl Higby from Newsmax. He signed up for the military after 9-11 as a young man. His story coming up. 
We have a special guest on the uh, line, somebody I've known for a couple of years now. I feel uh, it's an honor to know him uh, as, a, as a human being and also as a uh, veteran. Carl Higby from Carl Higby's Frontline on Newsmax joins us on the Newsmax Hotline. Hello, my friend. How are you doing today? Hey, Rob. Thanks for having me on. Hey, bro, I wanted to talk to you because uh, I opened the show today talking about how uh, most of the firefighters who went into the Twin Towers knew that morning they most probably would not live through the day, but they did it anyway. And I said that thousands and thousands of young men and some women uh, did the same thing, entered the military with the same uh, bravery that our firefighters went into the towers with, except for they did it days later, weeks later, months later, years years later, you were one of those men. Carl, where were you on 9-11, and what, uh, what convinced you to join the service, and when did you do it? Well, uh, so I was actually in high school uh, on 9-11. Uh, when the first tower, or the first planes hit, I, me and my friends went down to the beach off, uh, off the coast where you could actually see, we couldn't see the towers themselves, but we could see the smoke. And uh, it was around the time that they, they started collapsing. And that kind of set in stone. I wanted to join the military, went and saw a recruiter actually that day uh, after school and said, he was like, well, you got to finish high school first. Um, so I finished high school, wanted to be a SEAL, um, and then went back to the same recruiter. He's like, well, you know, if you get a degree, you should be, you could be an officer. My parents said, you know, that would be, uh, that would be, what they had uh, like since both my grandfathers were officers. And so I went to college and what happened was is we started putting boots on the ground and I started seeing some of my friends who had also joined out of high school going to war. And I said, I- I'm, I'm in the wrong place. I need to be at war. And I joined, dropped out of college, became a SEAL. Carl, when you were over there, were you aware of some of the Democrats who were already trying to tear you down people like uh like dick durbin uh people like harry reed saying that the the war was lost uh, immediately after we had had entered maybe that was a little bit before your 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 service but do you remember democrats uh, tearing down our military uh effort in iraq and afghanistan while you were there uh yeah so i actually well i never did afghanistan i did iraq a few times and some other places but um i, I do remember early on now i think we went into iraq for the correct reasons i think somewhere between 2000 well we started to go bad around 2005 2006 2007 was really the last year that i was there where i we were actually going out and killing bad guys uh after that we got into this bs nation building and it was Wasting lives, we were getting shot at, couldn't shoot back. I mean, not SEALs specifically, but General Army and Marines. They couldn't fire a shot back unless they were shot at. And they were, they were on the losing end of every single policy. And it was a, it, our own government officials pushed this policy of appeasement rather than winning a war. And that's we, the whole thing went sideways at that point. And, yeah, I think, I think we should have been out of there a long time ago or fought the war on our terms, not the enemy's. Well, that's very clear, and, and the, this is kind of what the United States does uh, post-World War II. They certainly did that in Vietnam after we took over for France's failed experiment in uh, in Vietnam, uh, uh, decades and, and the century of colonization, and left us holding the bag. We did the same thing. Carl, I know that you've struggled since you uh, left uh, the service. I, I've heard your stories of uh, uh, trying to get help at the VA. Um, I don't. I don't want to expose anything you're uncomfortable with, 
Um, but but you you have profoundly felt the impacts of going to war for the United States, and you feel them uh, to this day. Can you can you share a little bit about your personal journey uh, after you left the military? I know I, we don't need to know everything, but I, I know you've hinted at it on the air, and I know that a lot of the times veterans, when they serve bravely, they'll just suck it up, they'll hold it in. And they will they'll sh- maybe share their stories with with other uh, men and, 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 and others in the military. Um, can you share a little bit about your experience and what you did while you were there? Yeah, so I will say the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life is transition out of the military. Um, and a lot of people who you know haven't served don't realize this, but you go from a, a, a place where you're being told where to be, when to be there, how to be, what to wear, you know, what to eat. What, like, there is severe structure within the military. And when you leave, they give you, this is the irony, they give you what the, they used to call a TAPS class, Transition for Active Duty Personnel. And it was taught by a, a government bureaucrat who'd been in the Navy for no more than four years, was teaching a bunch of people getting out of the, private, getting out of the military how to interview in the private sector. And I'm sitting there thinking to myself, it's like, you have the most adaptable workforce that is so that's more trainable than any Harvard grad, and yet you have some bureaucrat who's never worked in the private sector teaching us how to work in the private sector. So when you get out, there is no support structure. And I went to the VA, and I had all my disabilities. You know, half of them weren't documented from my um, my career. So I, I struggled a lot actually getting out and finding. Like you know, you you're as a SEAL you're told you're the best at everything. Companies hire you to come do public speaking and motivational. So I went back to some of those companies and said, hey, you know, like I spoke here a year ago while I was getting ready to get out of the military on active duty. You hired me to come speak here. Well, I'd like a job now. And they're like, oh, well, you know, what have you been doing for the last nine years? Like, well, yeah, I've been shooting bad guys. They're like, well, we don't do that here at this hedge fund. So, like, sorry. And the, the irony of that is, the trend that any military guy or gal is highly trainable and understands life and death scenarios. And I don't think the private sector, they've gotten better, but I don't think they really understand how valuable that skill is, even over a master's degree. Um, so going to the VA, there is no help. You know, if you, if, you're, if you need something, you are literally on your own or from the network connections that you build on account of your service. And that's, I think that's the biggest thing that's overlooked is the coming home part. Sure, you can train somebody to go over there and, you know, the military, in order to kill somebody adequately, you need to learn how to hate. And to get out of that mo- mindset after a three-day course of basically nothing is very difficult to reacclimate to uh, mainstream society in an effective way. Carl, you have a lot of brothers in arms that I'm sure went off to war as different people and came back profoundly different. Um, I I have um, a nephew who uh, went to Afghanistan twice and saw his best friend uh, killed in front of him. And uh, the first time I'm, I apologize. I, I hadn't seen him since he was a little boy and I saw him at my brother's funeral his father's funeral in 2004 and two years later he signed up for the military uh and he uh, he came back a completely different person with uh, ptsd um and uh and he doesn't talk to me anymore do you do you see that a lot with your many of your friends and do you feel like they're uh being let down by the government and uh, uh and what can we do what can we do to get their stories out bro i want to hear about your friends 
Well, I think, you know, that's the, the biggest thing is like, yes, we lost through about 3,000 troops in that war. We lost 3,000 today here in New York. Um, but what, what's not counted is, is the devastating effects of that. I have had 20 friends, mostly SEALs, who have either tried or succeeded in killing themselves. Most of these guys were somebody I'd never in my wildest dreams would have ever expected, you know, with families and jobs now. I, they've tried or succeeded in killing themselves. And you, 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 you don't see it coming, but that's the, the real cost of this stuff. And I think one of the biggest things is the feeling that what we did was all for nothing. And I, I'm, when it comes to this, I, I don't like to lean on to politics for it. Um, but it is historic of which party takes care of veterans substantially more, obviously. But, you know, for people at home who are listening, it's like even if someone's not showing the signs of it, you know, Hire a veteran. That is the, the single greatest thing that veterans struggle with is employment because they don't, A, know what to do. They don't know how to transfer their skills. And that is the number one thing that leads veterans to desperation is not being able to find a job. And I'm telling you, if you're an employer out there, being able to find a veteran, you will train them three times as fast as any other employee for any task whatsoever. It doesn't matter if they have a degree in it or not. And that single single-handedly will will help move the needle on not only veteran suicide but also PTSD which sometimes doesn't manifest until you leave the community where that was the norm yeah for instance I've got, i never uh, knew that i had PTSD at all until i had a psych evaluation at 10 years after leaving the military and they're like you experience all these things and i was like well yeah and I'm not unstable, but it's like all this stuff attributes to the fact of PTSD. And I'm like, okay, well, when you kill bad guys and then have to slam on the brakes and, and go into a, a normal day job where you have an HR person that doesn't allow you to call someone a name, it's a transition. I can't imagine, um, Carl, uh, what it was. I, I can't even fathom what you, uh, you've been through. But but when you mentioned suicide, so it is not only just the memory and the the thoughts of what you did, the the nightly uh, uh, nightmares about it, the daily uh, you know um, uh, uh, you know uh, thinking about what you did or what happened or watching someone die, but also. When you get out, there's also this this combination of feeling worthless because you can't make a living after all of that. And listen, there's a lot of that going on with people who haven't served in the military now because of the hard time, Carl. So it's a double whammy of, of remembering the horrors of what you saw, trying to just put it together or put it behind you, and then realizing nobody wants to hire you and you got the rest of your life to live, and they're choosing to just end it rather than going on. And that is an unbelievable tragedy, Carl. Well, think about it, Rob, too. It's like you have, you know, any any average average guy in the military where, you know, after four, five, six years in the military, which is the standard contract for most people, uh, at least on the first enlistment, at, at that time, four, five, six years, you might be in charge of a fire team, a squad, maybe even a platoon. You've got millions of dollars worth of military equipment that is your responsibility. You have people's lives at stake. And to have that level of responsibility at sometimes 25 years old, you, you then get out of the military because you joined after high school, maybe. So you have no college degree. You have a high school diploma. You have five four, five, six years of military experience, some of which may or may not be combat, with in huge importance. I mean, you, you might be 25 years old. I was 25 years old calling in tens of thousands of pounds of ordnance sometimes a night 
making life or death decisions for a platoon of 16 guys and and you get out and a lot of guys being a seal i had a, a decent network but a lot of guys will get out and they'll say okay you know the only thing i'm really qualified for is that used to work at a retail job or a service job or something like that and you start back at square one and you don't have nearly the same level of responsibility and you feel it, it is a gut punch to your to your psyche I know. When uh, Joe Biden decided two years ago to pull us out of Afghanistan, the military first, and then, of course, 13 service members died, and we left $85 billion worth of military hardware there. By the way, I know the reason why he did that. It's because $85 billion worth of military hardware would be have to be replaced. And what military contractor wouldn't want an $85 billion contract? Enough on that, though. But... Um, on this date two years ago, Joe Biden pulled us out of Afghanistan. What did that, when, when that happened to you, what did you and your friends, how did you feel when that happened? Look, I, I, I was disgusted by how we left Afghanistan. I was disgusted by the way we left Iraq. I mean, look, when we were in Iraq, we left abruptly. By the way, Lloyd Austin was involved in that withdrawal, too. Uh, we created ISIS, an entirely new terrorist cell. Okay, we left them not 80 billion, but billions of dollars worth of our equipment. Uh, ISIS was seen driving around our Humvees. But Afghanistan was much worse because when Trump left office, he was like, here's our strategic plan. We do not leave until these metrics are met. And the Taliban was willing to meet a lot of those metrics, okay? And for the people who don't know, like the Taliban, back during the Cold War, we armed them against the Russians. So, there's been a checkered pass with us in the Taliban. We did not meet the criteria to leave. We were also supposed to maintain Bagram or at least another air base. We didn't do that. It was a political stunt to say, hey, I'm getting out. Now, if you pull out of a place where you have people hanging from wheel wells and cargo planes as they're taking off out of desperation, maybe it's not time to go. And as much as I hated staying there under the current circumstances and rules of engagement, we just created another power vacuum, not to mention China moved right in and took over what is now going to be a trillion dollars of the lithium being pumped out of the ground. Yeah, it's remarkable. It is an indignity that uh, certainly you and, and anyone who served uh, deserve. Carl, I, I felt it necessary to have you on the show today. Uh, I admire you, and I thank you for your bravery, bro. I know you don't like to hear this. You don't like to have it. And I know how you veterans are, bro. But I'm going to tell you, we thank you on this day. And for all uh, men who, who did this and all women who signed up to serve, we owe you forever. And uh, we just want you to know we're thinking about you today. Thanks, brother. I appreciate it. All right, man. We'll watch you tonight on uh, on news. You're on tonight, five p.m. All right, we'll watch you tonight, Carl Higby, Frontline. God bless you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. Thanks, sir. All right, let's take a break. You are listening to the Rob Carson Show. Huge thank you to Carl Higby for not only his service but also uh, certainly appearing on the show today. Um, so many wonderful charities have sprung up because of 9-11. Fisher House, uh, uh, I've got a friend who has a, a local charity. It's called Friends in Service of Heroes. Uh, they provide w track wheelchairs to uh, veterans who uh, want to hunt fish, get out, and uh, maybe quad or paraplegic because of their war injuries. Uh, they also do service dogs for men with uh, and women with PTSD. Uh, and so that's uh, a positive about it. Um, let's go to Joe in uh, Dundalk here. Joe, uh, welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's on your mind today, bro? How you doing, Rob? I talked to you one year ago today. Oh, did you? Okay. Um, I also 
I don't want to put a damper on today, today's events, the anniversary of 9-11, but, but I called you one year ago. I also don't want, to, want you to forget this is the anniversary of the Benghazi incident. Absolutely. If that's what you want to call it, an incident where our former Secretary of State said, what difference does it make? They're already dead. Yeah. Um, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, I know. And you know what? Uh, there were there were Navy SEALs on site who felt that if they had the proper reinforcement, they could have saved the ambassador's life. And we left them hanging. We did. They could have been there. We had a quick, we had a quick reaction for us that could have been there, could have saved the ambassador's life. Instead, they were told to stand down. And uh, I think it was the two uh, Delta Force operatives went against orders. And they lost their lives there. Yeah, uh, so they we were. Some, they were. Go ahead. We lost some true patriots there who, who went against orders. God bless them. And uh, we lost several Amer- good Americans there. And uh, the reaction was, "What difference does it make? Uh, they're dead. Let's move on." It's like, um, I still can't get over that. I don't want to forget these Americans too. I'm on, bro. And you know, isn't it amazing how? Um how we treat our veterans in this country. We saw it with Vietnam. Uh, we're seeing it now with uh, with these veterans. It's that same modus operandi. It's the same people doing the same things, generationally the same. I remember I spoke to Dennis Franz years ago. He was on a show called NYPD Blue, and he was a he was he saw active combat man. He had PTSD. He came back and he and he became uh, you know a great actor and all of these things. And I said to him, I said. And I asked him about how he was treated after the war, and, and Vietnam veterans were treated after the war like absolute crap. Yeah, they were and, coming back from the war. Uh, they were being spat on. Um, you know what? And never supported. But, you know, I, I said to him, I said, do you feel like America has made up for it? And he, he began to feel that way. But here we go again. The same damn people in charge, a different generation, doing the same damn thing to the people who would give their lives to uh, to protect us, it really is quite stunning, and I really think that we are at the end of this this nonsense, uh, deep state, military industrial complex BS. To be quite honest, Joe, I appreciate the phone call. Thanks for your remembrance of Benghazi as well. I do appreciate uh, appreciate that. All right, so coming up, we got a few things that are, I guess, lighter. Uh, Chuck Todd, uh, his final show on uh, NBC. Uh, it used to be that if your ratings sucked and you destroy a show in a period of nine years, that you kind of slink off into the corner. But he decided to make it a giant emotional farewell, even though very few people are watching it. We'll get to the audio on that, among other things. And this, my friends, is The Rob Carson Show. America, on air and on the World Wide Web, this is The Rob Carson Show. And this would be hour number three of the show on this Monday, 9-11-2023, 22 years after the worst terrorist attack in the history of the world on any country, let alone the United States. Before the end of the show, I'm going to play a song for you about 9-11 from the perspective of a little girl, a real little girl whose father died on that day. I have not been able to hear the song for seven years. Uh, sometimes I, I, I don't want to uh, go through it again, even though it's... Uh, a remembrance and something that needs to burn in our hearts until the day we die. Um, but I'm going to play it before the end of the show. So I, I'll just tell you, um, it will be very emotional. And I think it's necessary. 
I think it's necessary, considering what the left has done to us. And as I said at the beginning of the show, the left in this country, the deep state in this country, never thought that the terrorists were the biggest threat to the country in 2001. What they viewed as the biggest threat was our reaction to it and the fact that we united as a country to fight a common enemy. That was something that could not be uh, could not be allowed. That's why they immediately started attacking any type of effort on the battlefield because Joe, Bio, uh, Joe or I should say uh, George Bush was leading it. Uh, we had uh, Dick Durbin, Dick Turbin, as uh, Rush Limbaugh used to call him, uh, Harry Reid, constantly haranguing the military, saying they were cruel, they were murdering people, they were killing women and children, and all of this. That was what the left considered to be the biggest threat. And it's very clear that they still think that patriotism and coming together for the uh, United States as founded is, is the worst thing that could possibly happen to us. Worst thing that we could ever possibly imagine happening to us. Uh, and, of course, that would be also the election of Donald Trump, which, by the way, has brought us together. The, the uh, persecution of Donald Trump has brought us together. The mugshot of Donald Trump uh, has brought us together, brought it together the hood and the uh, trailer park together, and the left now sees in that the same sort of uh, patriotism, or, or as they like to call it, what populism, 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 bad, as they did uh, on 9-11. Now listen to this. This is uh, Kamala Harris being asked by a CBS reporter on 60 Minutes uh, the and this is what they consider to be the threat, the biggest threat that threatens America, and that is Donald Trump returning to Are office. Are you taking the threat of a second Trump presidency seriously enough? I don't understand the question. Okay, so listen to that again. This is a CBS news reporter not saying that uh, how's the president going to win an election with Donald Trump? Uh, you know, I he, he certainly he's uh, he's not leading in the polls. Are you concerned? No, the greatest threat. Is Donald Trump running and winning? Are you taking the threat of a second Trump presidency seriously enough? Okay, so they consider uh, Donald Trump and this populism that he brings with him to be the greatest threat. Isn't that, isn't that amazing? Yeah, it's kind of weird, like I'm right in everything, you know, which happens an awful lot, actually. Just, just an awful lot. Uh, let me see, do we have uh, Christopher in Catonsville on the line? Uh, let's go to Christopher in Catonsville. Hello, Christopher. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. Hi. Uh, happy 9-11, I guess. Um, yeah. It's, uh, when, you, uh, when you say, um, you mentioned that, well, people died and stuff, especially my World War II soldiers, they, they went down, and, they, and I get really disappointed when I, when I think about the, the sea of masks all over the place. It's like they, they, they died so that we could just lay down and put a mask on, you know, without any, any, any resistance whatsoever, you know? And I'm like, yeah. and, that's why I. That's why I couldn't. I couldn't walk into those stores with just a mask on. I had to put something else on to, you know, to to feel like an American. You know, it was the V for Vendetta mask. But, it's know, it's amazing. They 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 really uh, tested us. Oh, to yeah. see, they they took they told us you couldn't go to kids, send your kid to school. You had to close your business. You couldn't go to church. And when we did that, I went, oh man, uh-huh. they can they can do anything if they can yeah. tell us we can't go to church. And we go, okay, I'm not going to go to church now. Yeah. I knew that we were in a world of hurt. I and really I went, did. It went bro. from a, a strongly suggested to mandates at this projected scientifically time, and I, you know, I called my governor, you know, a furor and everything. I got grief. I was like, they were like, well, it's not too much to ask, and I'm like, uh, dude, nobody's asking. 
Yeah, you know, that's exactly. The here, you know, and that's exactly. Just, and I that's think America soldiers fought for. I was like, Ugh. well, we got to fight for them now. Yes, we yeah. do. Well, All right, bro. Thank Thanks you. for the call. You bet. You bet. Let's go to Tony in Baltimore. Tony, what's up, my friend? Hey, my buddy. So, yeah. uh, a couple things. One is, want to uh, say that uh, I have an active duty son. He's in the Marine Corps right now, and uh, hopefully he's listening. I will say, Shane, love you, brother. Um, the other thing is, man, just at nine eleven, remembering so clearly. Like I, I can't remember what I did ten minutes ago. Right? Like, we're all getting a little older, and, but man, nine eleven. It's stuck in my brain. Um, sitting in my maroon Ford F-150 outside a job site, listening to Howard Stern, actually. And uh, they talked about a plane hit, hitting the uh, Trade Center. Um, I'm kind of like, man, wow, wow well, that's kind of crazy, right? Uh, and then, you know, not to say a few minutes later, but however long it was later, another one hits the second uh, Trade Center. Yeah. So long story short is, just uh, never forget, and, and, and I have kids that weren't born uh, before that happened, and uh, I make sure that they know what happened to us that day. Um, you know, a terrorist trying to take away our freedoms, uh, and we have one in the White House right now um, yeah. who's basically doing the same thing, except for he's not flying airplanes in the, in the buildings. He's uh, using executive, executive orders. Oh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Rob, get it, man. I'm, I'm a long-time listener, first-time caller. Um, I've been listening <laughs> since day one. I really love the show, man. Um, All right, bro. Have me on. Hey, right, uh, by the way, I'm coming back to Baltimore in November, and it's going to be big. I'll be there. All right, bro. We'll, we'll get you a ticket for sure. Thanks for the phone call. I do appreciate it. Um, just a lot of stuff going through my mind right now. It's... Um, uh, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic about the future of the country. Fewer and fewer people are watching ABC, CBS, NBC, MSNBC, CNN. Donald Trump did an interview with Tucker Carlson at 200 and almost 300 million views. Uh, Joe Biden's, uh, uh, you know, his his uh, popularity is, is dropping into the toilet no matter what they do. Uh, it, you know, so we are going to win. It's just a matter of what they put us through. You know, I remember, <clears throat> I remember this. There are... Few speeches. There are a few speeches in your life. You remember where you were that day. You remember what was said that day. And maybe that was, you know, whatever. Maybe it was George Bush standing on the pile of rubble at 9-11. Maybe it was the morning of 9-11. I remember when Jon Stewart came back to to Comedy Central. I, I know, right? He's a liberal. How could you do that, Rob? You're conservative. No, I remember that day. Because I remember when he, 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 he late night had to ask for permission to laugh again. We were so hurt, we were so aching, that we needed permission to be able to laugh again as a country. Honestly, it was that bad. And John Stewart took the air. I don't have the monologue if you're not. I don't know if I have time for any of it today. But I remember him in this emotional delivery. And that was something that brought me, someone who has disparate political views, to John Stewart. And that was everybody. And that was everybody. But that couldn't stand. That couldn't stand. And people like Keith Olbermann couldn't stand that. So they immediately started spewing vitriol. And then they just went completely insane. Just completely insane. All right, let's talk about Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd had his last show yesterday. Uh, Meet the Press, I guess, is what it's called, right? Isn't that what it is? Anyway, (laughs) 
Chuck Todd. Chuck Todd, he's been there nine years. They had him on there nine years uh, of failure, of spewing left-wing nonsense. And he does, honestly. It's very clear. Uh, he's wrong about everything, and he's a leftist tool. But here he is, his last show yesterday. On my first day on the job at Meet the Press, I was handed an audience survey of Sunday show viewers. Yes. And the number one reason folks said they tuned in Why? was not because of who the person was behind the chair or yeah. the guest. It was simply to get educated. So for nearly a decade, I've had the honor of helping to explain America to Washington and Washington America. And you failed. Kristen just quoted me about. And it's that education piece that I'm hanging my hat on for the rest of my professional life. Wow, if this is education, then I'd get another school. The thing we will lament, we all lament lately, is the lack of knowledge and nuance in our politics and citizenship. That's a and your audience, because they are woefully ignorant. I hope to continue to fill, whether in our continued news coverage here at NBC or via other venues like docu-series, docu-dramas, focused on bridging our divides. Yeah, you know, I don't hear that because you've all you've done is espouse uh, division. That's what you've done. Uh, here is a little uh, montage, a little montage by MSRT or MRC TV. All the times that Chuck Todd was wrong. This gets at something. It's just a few, that, by the way. My executive producer likes to say is, "Hey, voters want to be lied to." Sometimes they, they don't they don't always love being told hard truths. I, I'm a journalist. I have to are, deal are you, in facts. You're not a journalist. There's a lot of scientific research out there that says gender is a spectrum. Was oh. it a decades long assault on science and objective facts, particularly by some of the right? Are, are you confident that you know that gender uh, is uh, as binary as you're describing? Wrong. You have one party that has decided that the Second Amendment mm. is almost. Uh, a religious tenant. If you're upset about uh, extra IRS agents, stop cheating on your taxes. Wow. A lot <laughs> of Republicans in the last three weeks have suddenly found what them a maroon elves deciding, hey, party over country. Republicans try to keep focus on a border emergency. In some ways, they've sabotaged our immigration policy, and this is why we're here. Wow. Mark Bray, you are writing this book, and Antifa, the anti-fascist ha uh, handbook. Fascism has only been defeated sure, with violence, sure. violence, right? I assume that's sure. the argument you'd make. Joe Biden believes he's he's eternally optimistic. He's not cynical. He is I'm the glad I didn't eat this morning. Better angel president. There really is a, a, a lot of people who believe this is a rigged court. Where Republicans are abuzz with cultural warfare, Trump-style grievances, and really passing laws I've been wrong about everything here to deal with much. mythological yeah. problems meaning they don't exist they were just created in prime time on propaganda cable tv there is no editorial point of view here uh, on any of these newscasts on msnbc in the daytime we shouldn't accepted the premise that there was liberal bias our bias is facts you know i, I hear the attacks on fact checkers where they fact check republicans six times more than they pick democrats perhaps the republicans are being factually incorrect I'd say pretty much you've been Welcome wrong. Back. This is going to be my final summer here at Meet the Press. <laughs> Chuck Todd's Blue, NBC just canned him. This is Jim Gossett. He's got a show in Atlanta this weekend. Chuck Todd's Blue, a pink slip they did hand him. Oh, he did a great job bringing him to third place from first place. Yeah. Liberal pawn, and now he's gone. Chuck Todd was the worst. Dun, 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 dun. And meet the press never was the same. They dropped a third from first. Ball, ball, they ball. dropped a third from first. 
If you want to go see uh, my friend, Mr. Jim Gossett, who is a genius, uh, all you got to do is uh, call this number, 678-829-SHOW. He's going to be at this place called Logan's Roadhouse in McDonough, Georgia, just outside Atlanta on the 16th. That's this Saturday night. If you want to go see him live, he'll be performing songs like that, and he probably even do requests because he's a genius. Hell, he might even write a song for you. He's that good. He's that good. So uh, 678-829-SHOW. If you would like to, uh, if you'd like to be a part of the audience this Saturday night in Atlanta, coming up, New Mexico governor suspends the Second Amendment. Uh, wow! Even David Hogg says that is a breach of the Constitution. This could result in her going uh, bye bye, and it should. That's coming up. This is the Rob Carson Show. Stick around, guys. For the Democrats, the issue, of course, is Biden's age. In a CNN poll this week, nearly 7 in 10 Democrats said the party should nominate, quote, a different candidate than Joe Biden. And it was the biggest concern among 49% of all Democrats. The biggest concern was not the age. Overall, just 28% yeah. of Americans it's a brain say dead Biden work. inspires confidence. That's down 24 points from two years ago when he was just four months into his presidency. Yeah, it's not his age, by the way. Uh, if it were his age, then an 83-year-old uh, Nancy Pelosi wouldn't announce her 2024 bid. She'll be 84. When she uh, leaves office, she'll be 90. Uh, and by the way, if you uh, are going to vote for, uh, my dogs are barking in the background, yay, uh, if you guys are going to vote for um, uh, Joe or to Nancy Pelosi, um, you're an idiot, okay? You're a complete and utter, utter moron. Yeah. So, uh, honestly, and she said, literally, she says, uh, our city needs to ad- uh, us to advance San Francisco values. Um San Francisco is a uh, crap hole right now because of Nancy Pelosi and Gavin Newsom and London Breed's uh, inane policies. Uh, so, you know what? If you vote for it, you, you know, go for it, honestly. Uh, go right ahead. Uh, this is John Carl, ABC, uh, saying the obvious about Joe Biden and his demise Playing as the president, not as the person. A repeat of 2016 when Donald Trump took an early lead and never looked back. And a repeat of 2020. Trump versus Biden all over again. Sure, there's been some movement on the Republican side, DeSantis down, Haley up, but at the moment, Trump's standing among Republicans is as dominant as ever. For Democrats this week, a new CNN poll landed with a thud. President Biden's approval rating slipping below 40%. And despite all that talk about Bidenomics, a majority saying Biden's policies have made the economic conditions worse. You know why? Because he sucks. There you go. He sucks. He's doing a terrible job. He always does. He has done it for 50 years. But don't worry. I didn't I didn't uh, vote for him. In fact, today I'm going to go right over to the cemetery near my house, and I'm going to scream at those Democrat voters who voted for him in the last election. They were dead then, too, but I'm, gonna, I'm going to raise some hell. This is an interesting theory posited by Steve Bannon. He's extreme. He's a mega fascist uh, about why Gavin Newsom doesn't want to run. 
All right, listen to this. You hear these calls privately. What do you tell these donors who are wallowing in it? Uh, time to move on. Let's go. He also says that Kamala Harris is number two. She's teed up, too. He wants no part of you. What? He's seen the math. He's seen the numbers. Uh-oh. He sees Trump's ascended. <laughs> Trump, with all the lawfare, right? What is it? The 91 charges, felonies, 700 years in prison. Literally, this thing will be over hundreds of millions of dollars of yeah. cost. It's ridiculous. Now the 14th Amendment. I'll get to that in a second. Gavin Newsom, who's the teed up even more than Whitmer, right? Much more than Whitmer. Much more, I think, than even Big Mike. Pritzker's out there with a couple of billion dollars he can put in this. Those are all the, but Newsom's the one they want. That's the pretty boy they want to roll out with the wife who's Lady Macbeth, right? They want to roll out that couple. He won't take it. He's not, no, 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 no. The filing deadlines are coming. There you go. Okay, so Gavin Newsom, the reason why he's not doing it is because he wants to, uh, he he has deference of Kamala Harris. He doesn't want to be a part of this. He doesn't want to be a part of the end of Joe Biden's presidency and the uh, the demise of the Democrat Party. Guys, they're failing. They're going to lash out. I told you the Democrat Party, they're like movie vampires. They die like movie vampires, lashing, grabbing, scratching to get anybody to drag them into hell with them. And it's not going to work. And now nobody wants to run. Nobody wants to take over when Joe Biden leaves the uh, the race. And he's going to. I believe it. You know why? Because I'm not stupid. There's that. Oh, this is a little bit of uh, Joe Biden's new campaign ad. And it's all about Ukraine. Yeah, that's going to work. It was the first time in modern history. Very significant moment on the world stage. That an American president went into a war zone not controlled by the United States. A nearly 40-hour journey in and out of Ukraine. President Biden left Washington, D.C. at 4 a.m. on Sunday. He landed in eastern Poland and then took a nine-and-a-half-hour train to Kiev. He entered Ukraine under the cover of night. And in the morning, Joe Biden walked shoulder-to-shoulder with our allies in the war-torn streets. Standing up for democracy uh, the, in a place where a tyrant is... Yeah, the, the streets weren't war-torn. It was absolutely peaceful in Kiev. Uh, people go out to their outdoor cafes and whatever. Joe Biden was led into the town center with, uh, with the president of Ukraine, and they literally sounded the air raid sirens, which even Dan Bongino has said, yeah, when air raid sirens happen, the president goes for cover. They were used for theater. I said the day it happened, it happened. And if he thinks running on Biden... Economics in Ukraine is going to get him reelected. Keep smoking what you're smoking. New Mexico, coming up next. This is the Rob Carson Show. This is Donald Trump at an Iowa State football game. You've heard that Iowa State and all these universities are a bunch of rabid leftists, haven't you? Right? No, maybe they're just run by a bunch of uh, rabid leftists. There you go. Listen to that. Donald Trump got massive rallies in Iowa. This is uh, Donald Trump at the Iowa State Fair yesterday and the greeting that he got from tens of thousands of people. Yeah. Donald Trump also did a speech on Newsmax Friday in South Dakota, and his biggest line of the night was when he said we need to seek justice together. Now what this means when he says retribution, which terrifies the left, it means retribution for decades of abuses and usurpations, particularly the last three years with an assault on our freedom of speech, on all of our liberties because of COVID, 
And that's what got the biggest reaction of his speech. So this battle that we're in is a battle for all of us that is for history. This is historic. This is a big moment in our country because we're either going to go one way or the other. And if we go the other, we're not going to have a country left. We will fight together. We will win together. And then we will seek justice together. We're going to seek justice. There you go. There it is. If you read the Declaration of Independence, it was about uh, abuses and usurpations. It was that the abuses of a uh, of a government that was in charge of us that uh, taxed us without representation about other things. And I told you that what the federal government has done to us the last uh, three years, let alone decades, makes those abuses and usurpations pale by comparison. And it really does. I mean, think about it. It's really, really remarkable. I want to get to the New Mexico governor in a second here. Let's go to Greg in New Hampshire. Hello, Greg. Welcome to the Rob Carson Show. What's on your mind today? How do you do, Rob? Um, I'm good. I, you, were, you were just. I want to. I want to first say, um, God bless all all the people that lost their lives over nine eleven. Yes, sir. And um, the next thing I, I want to get to is um, Nancy Pelosi. Now I'm just a, a, a dumb hick, you know, up here in New Hampshire. And uh, didn't she rip up a government document in front of all all of us? She shouldn't be running again. She should be in jail. Oh, yeah, she tore up a copy of the speech uh, right after Donald Trump delivered it in front of everyone. That was uh, an act of insurgency. Wouldn't you say that was an act of insurgency? Yeah, yeah, I, I don't understand it. I just don't yeah. understand it. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous, uh, Greg. And, and you know, if you you just heard, uh, uh, people are done with it. People are sick of it. They get it. They know what they know. They know what's going on in there, and they're uh, fighting back. Freedom is about to make a gigantic comeback. And every one of these sons of bees in Washington D.C. have taken us down this road are going to pay for it. Uh, thanks for the phone call. I do appreciate it. Appreciate it. Here's the uh, the governor of New Mexico, Michelle Lujan Grisham, on Friday suspending. Uh, concealed carry and open carry in Albuquerque for 30 days. She declared an emergency public health emergency. Isn't that weird? Isn't that what happens when uh, Democrats, what do they do when they declare public health emergencies? Well, to take away your freedoms. Uh, Joe Biden shut down the First Amendment. He took away the First Amendment from you and me. Everything that was called disinformation and misinformation was conservative. Everything that was called disinformation and misinformation was opposite what the government was telling you. And that, even though it was true, was not allowed. So I would say this move by this woman, who, which should precipitate her uh, removal from office, paled by comparison to what Joe Biden did to the First Amendment the last three years. But here she is declaring that she's going to suspend it, and it ain't going to end well for her. With one exception, and that is if there's an emergency, and I've declared an emergency for a temporary amount of time, I can invoke additional powers. No constitutional right, nope. in my view, including my oath, is intended to be absolute. There nope. are restrictions on free speech. There are restrictions on my freedoms. In this emergency, this 11-year-old and all these parents who have lost... What about the kids in Chicago? 27 people shot over the weekend, five of them fatally, most of them children. What about them? What about the 400 people that have been murdered in Chicago this year, most of them under 30? These children, they oh, yeah. deserve my attention to have the debate about whether or not in an emergency 
we can create a safer environment. Now, you can imagine what she would be like in a real emergency, what she would do. But this ain't flying. Jonathan Turley went off on it this weekend. There's already been lawsuits filed against her. Democrat leaders have increasingly turned uh, to a claim used successfully during the pandemic in declaring a health emergency to maximize unilateral authority of governors. Climate change, COVID. It's bullcrap. This wretched woman needs to be removed from office post-haste. How dare, how dare she do this? This is unbelievable, and this is some of the reaction that she's getting locally and nationally. Good evening. Dozens of people protested in Albuquerque today with guns in hand, saying the governor is overstepping her authority after that public health order banning guns in public spaces in Bernalillo County. News 13's Gabe Chavez has the story. Uh-oh. More than 100 people showed up in Old Town today protesting the governor's public health order. And I've woken up and I'm angry. The public health order is a 30-day ban on carrying a gun in public spaces in Albuquerque and Bernalillo County for 30 days as a civil violation. Oh. Today, in protest, gun owners had their firearms on full display, your expressing their frustration and anger towards the new order. Why I'm here because I feel like, you know, the people's voice need to be heard. Those here that are here on the ground that are dealing with these situations need to be heard. However, we did not see any police in the area, including state police who are tasked with enforcing the order. Many people we spoke with shared their own opinions on it, saying it's taking away their rights to protect themselves. This governor has overstepped her bounds twice now, big time, with, with uh, squashing our constitutional rights. It's time for it to stop. We are a beacon of hope because we actually protect individual freedoms. Many protesters today say they will continue to carry their firearms on them in Bernalillo County despite the public health order. And by the way, the protest the, was peaceful and wrapped up at around 3 this afternoon. Well, because uh, it's not a leftist protest. We always, uh, our, our protests are always peaceful. What about January the 6th? Uh, infiltrated, I'll just say it again, Reichstag. I said it January the 7th. People with concealed carry permit may still transport guns to some private locations, such as a gun range, a gun store, and the firearm has a trigger locker mechanism that prevent it from being discharged. This is just an attack on the First Amendment or the Second Amendment. It is not in any way, shape, or form meant to stop any of the crime that is afflicting this country. It is just using a self-declared emergency to infringe on our Second Amendment rights. Joe Biden did the same with the First Amendment during COVID. The same thing. Another reason why. He needs to be removed from office as well. Gun control activist and uh, a clueless little toad, David Hogg, used an ex-post, that's Twitter, to slam the decision. Listen, this little, this little toady who knows nothing about firearms probably has never even held a, uh, like a Nerf gun. He would, he would cry, he'd drop it and run screaming. He said, I support gun safety. No, it's gun control. Because uh, people who own guns generally are safe. We don't need gun safety. We know how to handle it. We know that if you, if you are foolish with a gun and you're at a, uh, a gun range, you're going to get smacked upside the head and you're going to get removed from the gun range. That's just the way it is. We don't need your gun safety. We practice safe gun ownership. Thank you very much. But I support gun safety, and there's no such thing as a state public health emergency exception to the U.S. Constitution. That's David Hogg. 
We will not comply. Visibly armed gun owners defy Governor Grisham's gun grab and hold a rally in Old Town Albuquerque, and they did. And we've got a great affiliate in Albuquerque, and I know a lot of my fans in Albuquerque are with us on this. On Saturday, State Representative Stephanie Lord and John Block called for the impeachment of Governor Grisham. This should happen immediately. I know how insane uh, New Mexico governance is, but this has to happen. This emergency order violates the governor's oath to protect and defend our rights of New Mexicans and is illegal in nature. The legislation has a duty. To, the legislature has a duty to intervene when the government is overstepping its boundaries. And Governor Grisham's order and comments disqualify her from continuing her tenure as governor. Oh, by the way, she's been doing this crap for a long time. She paid, listen to this, she paid $62,500 to a former staffer in a sexual harassment settlement. Did you know that? Yeah, she's a real, she's a real winner, guys. Now, you guys who don't live in New Mexico, you don't know this because the mainstream media doesn't cover it, but she just reached her last in a, in a uh, series of payments, a $62,500 settlement with a former campaign staffer who accused her of sexual harassment. Five payments, 12500 paying to Buckley Beal LLP for legal expenses. It involved uh, James Hallman, who worked as a campaign communications director for Luhan Grisham about a year after the campaign ended. Apparently, she liked to do a little grab ass. Yeah, a real nice person. Uh, let's see here. Oh, 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 and then there's this. She used taxpayer money while the state was locked down because of COVID to buy uh, groceries, whiskey, and tequila. Partied like a rock star, like Nancy Pelosi went and got her hair done and all that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. New Mexico ranked 39th out of 50 states in coronavirus cases at the time, but she locked down the state, made a private call to her favorite jewelry store to make a purchase. And then and then she uh, was caught using taxpayer money to pay for groceries, whiskey, tequila, 200 bottles for five bottles of tequila. Two, that's pretty good tequila. That's for 50 bucks a bottle. That's pretty good. $200, five. $40, yeah. That's some good agave right there. I know that. Yeah, yeah. Two bottles of vodka, two bottles of Merlot. Merlot, yeah, she drinks Merlot. Holy hell. Single bottles of whiskey and gin. Pretty interesting. She's a, uh, she's a corruptocrat. She needs to be removed, and it's about time that New Mexico did something about it. And I, I hope that you in, in New Mexico will call your legislator today and have her removed from office because, honestly, uh, we're just done. <laughs> we're, just, we're just done with this nonsense. And how dare you? You knew they were going to try this, guys. You know, they've been trying. They've been picking at the Second Amendment for a very long time. And they're, they're raiding gun shops. They're doing stuff like that. Let me find this story. There's a story here I just had. 48. Oh, 40 deadliest cities in the world. Six of them are in the U.S. now. How's that working for you? How is that working for you? Let me find it here. I, still, I got a lot of stuff I could never get to today. Gender identity, transgender cyclist. That crap doesn't mean anything in today anyway. Lindsey Graham. Da-da-da. Hold on, baby boomers. I know I got a story here. I'll, I'll have to find it. But... Um, but they've been trying to get rid of the Second Amendment for a very long time, and this is the last, this is the last gasp that, that using what she considers to be a health emergency, one kid, terrible, terrible shooting of a child, of course, happens every day in Baltimore and Chicago and in Gary, Indiana and in East St. Louis, anywhere the Democrats run. Oh, I sounded like Joe Biden for a second. Eh, can I sniff your hair? No. Anywhere the Democrats have been entrenched, it's happening there. 
But this awful, wretched woman decides to use the death of a 13-year-old to take away law-abiding citizens' Second Amendment rights. That is grounds from you're out of office and you will never, ever be in office again. Ever. Now, um, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back for the last break of the show. Uh, I actually have a friend of mine in the studio. His name is Paul Chapa. And I met him almost eight years ago. And he has created a charity called Friends in Service of Heroes. They provide uh, mobility track chairs and service dogs for veterans in need. He was in the studio when I played the 9-11 tribute that I'm going to play the last time I played it. I have not heard it since. I heard a little bit of it last night. And the reason why I haven't played it is because it's too emotional for me. I remember Paul, who's a pretty tough guy, and I sitting there and weeping. And occasionally, we need this. We need to be reminded of the pain. We need to be reminded of the sacrifice. We need to be reminded in our lives every day where we complain about the little minutia of the day It's nothing compared to the people who are 28 and 32 and 35 and 40 and 55 who died in those towers, who died in uh, Shanksville, Pennsylvania, who died in in Washington, D.C. Nothing will match their sacrifice and their pain. So I'm going to play that song coming up next. I think it's necessary, and uh, I think that it'll be uh, I think it'll be a powerful movement for you. So uh, let's take a break and come back. This, my friends, is the Rob Carson Show. Uh, it is a Rob Carson show. This is the uh, last break of the show today, and I'm going to play this uh, this song. It was put together by someone called uh, DJ Sammy, uh, and and I think uh, maybe the reason why I played is I was in music radio on 9/11, and and music radio came out as well. Um, so I'm going to go ahead and play this. It is uh, it is uh, this is going to be hard. I, mean, I haven't even played it. It's hard hitting me. I haven't played this for seven years. It features a little girl who lost her father on 9/11, and her growing up since his passing. And so for those who served, for those who died, for those who live on, for those who served our country after 9-11, for those who lost their lives, for those who served uh, and returned with profound injuries, whether mental or physical, for those who died and their families in New York City, this is for you. It's been a year, Daddy. I really, really miss you. Mommy says you're safe now. That was only you and me. And I ate it all up. Young and wild Even though I don't like carrots. Now nothing can take you away from me. I learned how to swim this summer. We've been down that road before. And I can't even open my That's eyes. over now. When I'm underwater. I can make a man back for more. Can you see me? Maybe you're all that I want And you're lying here in my arms Finding it hard to believe We're in heaven It's been five years, Daddy Love is all that I need I'm in fifth grade now I really like computers 
sleep in one of your t-shirts. Oh, once in your life, you find someone. I think it still smells like you. We'll turn your world I don't need to sleep with the light on anymore. Up when you're feeling down. I'm trying not to cry, Daddy, but it still hurts. Now, nothing can change what you mean to me. I really miss you, Daddy. There's a love that I can say. Daddy, Baby, you're all that I, want. I started high school. Lying here in my I made the honor roll. Finding it hard to I hope you're proud of me. I'm also on the soccer team. Love is all that I need. Can you see me on and the I field? Found it, there in your heart. it isn't too hard to see. I started thinking about what college. Now our dreams are coming true Through the good times and the bad I know you'll be with me when I walk I'll down the aisle I try not to be sad Maybe you're all that I want But it hurts See you lying here in my arms Finding it hard to believe I know you're my hero. Love is all that I need. And I found it there in your heart. It isn't too hard to see. We're in heaven. I love you so much. played that for a reason, guys. I miss you, Daddy. Let's take a break and come back. This is the Rob Carson Show. I'm going to put that song on social media. Go to Rob Carson Show on all social media. Remember, God bless you and those who served and they lost their lives, and I'll see you tomorrow.